Welcome back to Fireside Chats for our eighth episode. This is part two of a two-part series looking at what it's like to be a teacher in America today. Following the shooting at a private elementary school in my hometown of Nashville, Tennessee on March 27th, I sought out teachers who were willing to share their thoughts and feelings surrounding gun violence, as well as their other concerns as modern-day educators. In part one, I spoke with a teacher from my high school who has over 10 years' experience as an educator in public, private, and boarding school settings and self-identifies as left-leaning in the episode. In this episode, I speak with Hallie, my cousin, and a teacher in Tennessee's public school system who began her career in education a little less than a year ago. Hallie shares that she leans conservative, and together we explore how teaching has shaped some of her views. I set out with this two-part series to identify what differences there may be between two teachers from different sides of the political aisle who have had very different teaching careers. But, as I found through these conversations, they have more in common than not. Despite their political differences and experiences, both teachers express a a passion for teaching that outweighs their fears of gun violence in schools. Rather than gun violence being Hallie's biggest concern, she expresses a greater worry over the things teachers are faced with on a daily basis. For her, as a middle school teacher, this is kids' access to the sinister sides of the internet, as well as the impact of COVID and long periods of remote learning on children's ability to learn and socialize. These two factors are not only concerning teachers now, but will continue to impact and shape our culture and time. In this episode, you can expect to hear a variety of topics discussed. In the first half, we hear Hallie's thoughts on gun violence and its impact on her experience as a teacher. In the second half, we explore what it's like to be a teacher in the post-COVID age and Hallie's journey of getting a master's in education. Be sure to show some love on the podcast Instagram at Fireside Chats Podcast, where you can find recaps on all of our episodes, as well as some exciting details about future episodes to come. As always, thank you for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fireside Chats. This is part two of a two-part series exploring what it's like to be a teacher in America today. Following the March 27th shooting at a local elementary school that took the lives of three children and three adults, I was curious to speak with teachers to learn more about the experience of being caught in the middle of the American mass shooting crisis. Today, I'm joined by Hallie, a teacher of theater in the Middle Tennessee public school system who has graciously agreed to dive into this topic with me. Hi, Hallie. Hey. Um, So regardless of the topic, I always like to ask my guests some intro questions. Yeah. So to get us started, can you tell us where you're from, what you do, and then I have a special question. Yeah. So I am from Nashville. I don't know if we're allowed to say this, but we are cousins. Yeah, we're Um, cousins. (laughs) So Ward is my cousin. Um, So I did grow up in the Nashville, more Franklin area. Um, And what was the second part? What do you do? What do I do? I'm a teacher. Um, (laughs) I teach theater. um, And I actually, I did not start out in the education education system in, um, like, that was not my initial career goal. It was actually to be an actor. So I am relatively new to the education space. Um as in like being a teacher for less than a year. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, So my special question is, what's one place in Nashville that you think everybody, tourists and locals, should visit? It could be a neighborhood, a restaurant, a honky-tonk on Broadway, anything. I feel like everyone just needs to experience Broadway. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't go there very often, and as a local, like, I don't don't love 
going there, but you know, a few college nights down there was was fun. It's it's just worth it. You have to do it. Yeah. What was that like? Because you went to Belmont, which yeah. is for those of you listening, Belmont is a school in Nashville. What was yeah. that like? Like the nightlife college scene in Nashville? Oh, you're asking the wrong person, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Um, but it was it was fun. Uh-huh. Um, I'm I'm not a partier, so mm-hmm. like, I'm literally the wrong person to ask. Um, but yeah, I, I did Broadway a few times, and it's it's worth it. It's interesting. I've done it twice now yeah. since I turned 21, and. Um, it's always an adventure. Yeah. You have to do it. You have to do it. <laughs> I think I hated it until I went for the first time. And then I was like, this is fun if I just tell myself I'm not in Nashville. Yeah. Well, you can't do it sober. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's no. no. It's like Vegas, you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So to get into the topic, how did you, you kind of answered this already, mm-hmm. but how did you get into teaching? So, yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I majored in musical theater at Belmont. So I studied theater and um Belmont is very emphasizes voice so I did a lot of opera as well and um so I graduated in 2018 and then I moved to New York uh shortly after that did a few things in Nashville and then moved to New York and I lived in New York for a year and a few months and then COVID hit and that changed absolutely everything for Mm me um and it, it shut down pretty much everyone's lives but especially people who are in theater and in acting um a lot of us had to just completely rethink our lives because we didn't know if live theater was ever going to be a thing again. Um, I say that as if I was working in live theater at the time. I was not. <laughs> but um, I just had to rethink my entire life. While I was in New York, I actually taught, this is so random, but I taught archery. And that taught me that I liked to teach. I, I never thought I liked to teach because I was like, I don't want to teach what I should be doing myself. Like, I don't want to teach theater. I want to be doing theater. Mm-hmm. And so I learned through teaching archery, teaching people how to shoot a bow and arrow, um, <laughs> that I like to teach. And so I, when COVID hit, I came home. I was unemployed for a few months and just I mean, I was thinking, I'm like, do I go to law school? Like, do I? Everybody I resorts mean, just, to law school. Literally, all I know. Of my friends are like, I'm going to be a lawyer. Now. I know. I was like, <laughs> do I go to law school? Do I go to, I was even like, do I go to medical school? Like, I had a new like oh career idea every day. Yeah. And one day I was talking to my mom and I was like, you know, I think I would just be really fulfilled and really happy being a theater teacher. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't being serious. I was like, obviously, I'm not going to do that because I want to be like, I don't know. I, but I was just, I just kind of said that and that's something that stayed with me for a long time and um, I actually worked at teaching archery in Franklin Tennessee for two years and through that I loved that I, I continued learning that I love to teach and so I decided to go back and get my master's so that I could get a license to teach mm-hmm. um, and what ended up happening is my master's I wrap up my master's in December this year so I'll be graduated but I, um, I initially was like, I'm going to do my master's in education, then I'm going to start teaching. Well, mm-hmm. last year, because there's a teacher shortage, as we know, I heard from a friend that the school I worked for was looking for a theater teacher. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm not, you know, I don't have a license yet, but I went in and interviewed. And this, I tell it to everybody like this. I'm like, I, within two days, I heard about the job, interviewed for the job, and I was offered the job on the spot. I remember that. It happened so fast. And they were like, can you start in a week? <laughs> having Whoa. literally never taught before. So it, um, I, and I did, mm-hmm. <laughs> I literally put in my two weeks at my work. I, um, 
I just, I hunkered down. I made some lesson plans and I, I did it. And I was also wow. doing a show at the time. I was in a musical. Um, I was in Little Women, which was an hour away, an hour drive. So I would go to school for eight hours and then I would drive an hour away, go to rehearsal, and then I wouldn't get home until like 11 o'clock at night. Whoa. And I did that for several weeks until the show was over, having never taught before. That so it was so intense. It was insane, but I did it. Yeah. And I just finished up my first school year. So yeah. yeah. And you teach middle school. I do. So how was the first year? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So I teach theater. So I teach sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It was very, very good, and it was very joyful. Um, That's beautiful. I know there's a lot of, like, stigma around teaching and that it's very, very hard and you're underpaid. And while all of those things are true, (laughs) it is a very joyful place to be. Even, you know, my feet hurt at the end of the day, but I, I I leave almost every day having laughed so much mm-hmm. and um, sometimes having cried, but most of the time having laughed and just being around. I'm such a people person being around these sweet, sweet kids at such a good age, like that 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. when their minds are starting to develop and they're starting to become adults. I just, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in, it was insanely hard, but I love it. So you're excited for year two. I am. I'm like, dreading it a little bit but I'm I'm excited to like have another go at it uh-huh yeah that's awesome wow um that is so inspiring because recently I was like I mean I'm about to graduate college mm-hmm. in a year so of course I'm thinking about what I want to do after yeah. and I'm like maybe down the road I could see myself teaching it is I, people will scare you away from it mm-hmm. but it it is wonderful for all its faults it is it is wonderful yeah yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. This obviously is a heavier yeah. topic um, as we're talking about mass shootings mm-hmm. and uh, shootings in schools and the covenant shooting that happened on March 27th. Mm-hmm. So when you decided to go into teaching, I know it happened really quickly, but was that the risk of school shootings or active intruders in general, something that you considered not really. Mm-hmm. Not really. I And I don't really have an answer to why. Maybe it's because it happened so fast. Um, but I also feel like in the world we live in, there's a risk with whatever you do. Yeah. And I mean, like in the medical field, like there's a risk like, oh, you're going to catch a deadly illness or, you know, there's there's a certain amount of risk with, with anything you do. And ultimately, me going into teaching, the teaching the kids and protecting the kids is going to be more important than myself. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't truly consider it, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, I guess also, I mean, anytime you leave the house nowadays, you kind of have uh, exactly. To it's like we, it. we put ourselves at risk every day we get in a car. Yeah. So I, I didn't really consider it. Mm-hmm. I may have considered it more if I had taken a job after Covenant. Mm-hmm. Actually, I I would have considered it more. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. What did the day of March 27th look like? So I actually had that day off. Okay. I had just wrapped up our musical, and that was a Monday, and I took that day off because I had had a weekend of, we had done four shows, and I was exhausted. And so I took the day off, I slept in, and my mom came upstairs, and she was like, 
I was home for some reason and my mom came upstairs and she was like, there was a shooting in Nashville mm-hmm. and my heart just dropped and I was really, really upset that I wasn't at school that day mm-hmm. and that I didn't get to be there with the other teachers and with my students. Yeah. Um, and that day was really hard. It, it was not a day off. Um, I, I wish I had, I wish I'd been at school mm-hmm. because it was upsetting. And, and I was, um, worried about what the next week was going to look like with yeah. my students and if I was going to get questions and, um, you know, what, what it was going to look like with the other teachers. And I was, just, I was just upset I wasn't there. What did the, the week after or the days after look like? I was expecting to go back and there to be a somberness and a sorrowful nature to the environment of school. I mean, I was I was expecting it to be a lot worse. And what shocked me is that it wasn't that different. Mm-hmm. Now, the teachers, we were all very affected. Yeah. But student-wise, I mean, they were just... Like normal? Almost. Wow. Almost. I mean, uh, there was a little somberness, but I mean, boys were still, you know, wrestling in the hallways and, you know, they were still laughing at lunch and it was, it was too normal. And I remember being upset about that. Yeah. Do you think that's because of their age or the desensitization? What is the word? Desensitization. Yeah. (laughs) That's a big word. I think it's both. I think, um, I think we are desensitized and I also think kids they're 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 right on that cusp mm-hmm. of understanding the weight of things and the gravity of things but we have to remember like kids are resilient yeah I mean especially little kids I mean I remember I'm probably the last generation to remember 9-11 mm-hmm. and I remember I was in elementary school and it was just okay like a plane crashed into buildings okay like I'm gonna go play with play-doh like e- Mm-hmm. We don't understand. Kids don't understand the impact of what's happening. No. Middle schoolers probably a little bit more. Um, but even then, they, they don't under, quite understand the gravity of a situation. Mm-hmm. And it just was proof to me like kids are resilient. Now, there were, you know, my other t- teacher friends were talking, oh, I had this kid crying in class with me. And the, the counselors made it clear, like, we are, our doors are open. If kids are having a hard time, send them to us. I was expecting to have to do that didn't have to do it mm-hmm. not once mm-hmm. did the response from other teachers look like in the days after just very somber very sad mm-hmm. upset um some anger but just we were very quiet mm-hmm. I think we we're all just in shock yeah 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 are you in the public school system are teachers allowed to talk about um topics like mass shootings in schools with students I I I don't think there's necessarily a rule um I don't bring it up by any means Mm -hmm. um but if a kid asks me a question I'm gonna I'm not gonna be like I can't answer that like I'm gonna answer it okay um and they are again middle schoolers they're old enough to where you can have a little bit more of an adult take with them than if it was a third grader Mm -hmm. um and I did have some questions mm-hmm. about, you know, well, what are we going to do if this happens here? Or why did this happen? Or, you know, and, and you just, you answer them as, you know, go into super detail, but you yeah. answer them pretty honestly. 
um, and carefully. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we're we're allowed to talk about it. Okay. Are you ever afraid of of parent responses if you? talk about it with a kid and then they go home and tell the parent and the parent is upset no but I don't give them an answer like you know I I don't I don't go into detail yeah I don't think I would ever say anything that would merit a parent response Mm -hmm. um so I've never really feared that Mm -hmm. um so no okay that makes sense but I do fear parent responses for other things (laughs) yeah what's the scariest parent response that you can think of oh I had um a parent and it was just a concerned parent reach out about their their child's seat where they were put in a seating chart mm-hmm. in my class and how it really hurt their feelings Oh, where they were put. And I was just and, and other things just like little tiny that you don't even think about mm-hmm. just parents will reach out to you about. And I mean, you just have to live your life not fearing that because it literally could be anything. And I've never had a parent get like really angry with me, but mm-hmm. just, you know. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that is that would also scare me. I mean, you said in the days and week or so following the Covenant shooting, Mm -hmm. you didn't really discuss it with your colleagues. Have you discussed it with them since then? We discussed we discussed it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we discussed it. Um, Do those conversations become political or are they just like more emotional? They do. Um, I tend to try to steer away from political conversations with my colleagues. Mm -hmm. Um, just because one, I don't, I don't think it's super professional, mm-hmm. but, but they do, and um, we we do discuss it. And we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are, what do you think is like the most prevalent um, opinion or feeling among teachers that you know? Mm. I mean, obviously, a lot of people would would say, like a lot of the thing that comes up with conversation a lot is like gun laws. Mm-hmm. And um, the issues of guns being readily available as easily as they are, which is really scary. But um, I a conversation we have a lot, and this doesn't always relate back to mass shootings, but it can. It's just with the behavior issues we see in children, with the mental health issues we see in children, it always goes back to, and this is something I'm really passionate about, how much access they have to mm-hmm. the internet. Mm-hmm. And that is really what scares me more than anything is these this kid's access mm-hmm. to the internet. What scares you about it? Well, not to sound like a boomer, like violent video games, but, you know, in every part of our culture, there is violence mm-hmm. in video games and movies and TV shows. I mean, I have sixth graders talking about watching, like, Breaking Bad. Yeah. And I'm like, you're 11. Yeah. That's a great show, but you shouldn't be watching that. Um, Or Squid Game, which is also a great show. I enjoyed it. Like, traumatized me. Yeah. But is it appropriate for an 11 year old? No. No. And I mean, I see them, they have their Chromebooks and they're always playing some sort of game and mm-hmm. no matter how much we block and block and block and block these games there's all they always get access to something and it usually has to do with shooting or killing or or something like that really yeah wow not always but yeah um it's just everywhere in our culture mm-hmm. it's everywhere and um that's just really scary mm-hmm. that's really interesting because in my last interview um with my Mm -hmm. with the other teacher I spoke to she said that 
she didn't feel like violence in video games was a factor mm. into Ooh, that's interesting this, i disagree yeah into this like culture um it's not just video games it's just the culture of violence we have where it's yeah. everywhere yeah but do you think that like if you look at other countries for example mm-hmm. they might have access to the same games but they have different gun laws yeah so yeah. how i mean well i think guns are a problem too i think what we're looking at is a lot of different factors. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's just one issue. I also, this may not pertain, but I, I did teach archery for three years and mm-hmm. we, I taught a lot of hunters. Um, now I taught them archery. I didn't, I didn't teach them to shoot a gun, but a lot of the safety rules are the same. And, um, and a lot of people that shoot archery shoot guns. Mm-hmm. So I, um, and I was around weapons, so I'm I'm not uncomfortable around weaponry and and people that own guns and things like that. Um, and I think that people have a right to have those things if they want to. But but there's no reason a 13 year old should be able to get their hands on one. You know, mm-hmm. I I do think there need there need to be stricter laws. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you said a 13 year old. Do you think that there's a risk of of younger kids getting access to guns yeah well my mom is a pediatrician and she has always said no guns in the house mm-hmm. no guns in the house no guns in the house because she has seen firsthand kids and I've learned this too I'll, I'll hide the football in my classroom they will find it mm-hmm. kids if they set their mind to something they can get their hands on it yeah I don't care if you have I mean obviously like a safe is probably the best bet, but but even then, that would scare me, as mm-hmm. a um, as a parent, that yeah. would really scare me. Now I have the perspective of my mom, my mom's opinion, so that's you know. But I, yeah, yeah, it's scary. No guns and no four wheelers. No four wheelers. Yeah, <laughs> my mom. It's no guns, no four wheelers, and no trampolines. <laughs> yeah, honestly, so valid. The pediatrician take. Yeah, <laughs> although trampolines are really fun. They are. <laughs> Um, Have your opinions towards gun control changed since becoming a teacher? Ooh. So I tend to lean conservative. Mm -hmm. Um, I never grew up in a house with guns, nor I never want guns in my house. Mm -hmm. And I still think that guns are too readily available, even as someone who leans conservatively. Mm -hmm. So I think there do need to be stricter gun laws. And yeah, I'd say I've probably become a little more left-leaning on that since becoming a teacher mm-hmm. um yeah but I, I I still you know I I'm, I'm kind of in the middle on, on a lot of issues um I do think they're too readily available mm-hmm. and I think that's really scary mm-hmm. um and I think they do need to be harder to get for sure yeah um do you think that your changing in views was just kind of a result of what's happened in the year of being a teacher yeah or is it from like stories that you've heard from other teachers or what do you think played into that? I think this year I just, I had to, I never really thought about what I thought of guns. Mm-hmm. Truly. I, I, and I think this year I had to face that head on. And so for the first time in a, I'd like fully considered what do I think about this issue? Mm-hmm. And that's where I came to the conclusion of, you know, I do, I do think there need to be stricter gun laws. Mm-hmm. So would you say you're more of a person who, like, your beliefs or opinions about things are 
a result of whether or not it's in your direct line of vision? Mm, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. But I, I think being a teacher gave me some more perspective. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, so does your school do active intruder drills? We do. Okay. And we did one the day I started. Really? The so, day I started. What was that like <laughs> coming into that environment? Like not having thought about it, but then being kind of thrown into the deep end with that. It makes you think. Um, I mean, we do fire drills. It's it's kind of, I, I remember when I was young, we, we had intruder drills. Um, and it's just, it's, I mean, it's just kind of a part of the job and a part of life. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is scary to think about and it's upsetting to do and upsetting to think about. And we did one like a week after covenant happened and that Mm -hmm. was really upsetting. Yeah. Um, for me and for my students. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So we kind of touched on this about the feelings among, um, the teaching community, but would you say that there's a general opinion among teachers you know surrounding guns and gun control, or are they varied? Truly, I don't. I don't know. I think. Um, I think most teachers are for stricter gun laws. Mm-hmm. But I am so new to the field. I feel like I can't answer that because I don't know. Yeah. Have you encountered somebody who might have different opinions who thinks that there should be no restrictions on guns? Who you've had to discuss this with? No, mm-hmm. not in the teacher field. But again, I don't go out talking about this, you know? Yeah, true. I so. feel like it's very rare that you would yeah. have this kind of conversation in America. Yeah. I think in the U- in the UK, at least going to school there, I think it's easier to talk about a lot of the issues happening in America because mm-hmm. we're so removed from it. Yeah. Well, Whereas, especially since I lean conservative, I, I tend to keep to yeah. myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think also coming back here, um, I always kind of have like a bit of a culture shock returning to the U.S. because ooh. it's like all of the things that feel so far away, like the risk of leaving the house and going to the grocery store mm-hmm. and potentially a shooter could walk in yeah you know or just walking down the street something could happen that isn't necessarily a threat to the same degree in the UK yeah um it's weird to come back and and feel that fear Mm -hmm. again that's so interesting yeah it's about increasing discussions about arming teachers (laughs) oh my god well it's the same thing it's like if you keep a gun in your classroom I would be so scared my kids would get their hands on it. It's, yeah. it's going to do more harm than good. And every t- I can say pretty firmly every teacher will agree with you on that. Okay. Uh, agree with me on that. I mean, um, I saw a woman doing stand-up, and she said, if I get a school-issued Glock, I'm going to go hold up a Staples so I can get myself some freaking pencils. <laughs> <laughs> oh and I'm like, goodness. yeah, it's like I, I really need – art supplies yeah more than I need a gun yeah exactly (laughs) I really need you know I have a table that's broken can I get that fixed can I get some pencils and erasers and glue sticks before I get a gun yeah it's so nutty (laughs) what do you do you feel like there's any top-down conversation from like your superiors or um the school board district that like do you feel like as a teacher they 
the people who put rules in place for teachers within be it a state or the mm-hmm. whole country or just a school district do you feel like they listen to the feelings of teachers and the needs of teachers again I'm so new so I feel like I can't have a full opinion on this um the consensus from other teachers is no they do not really um there were I went to a professional development event recently and and they were talking about something like 30 to 50 I want to say it's, it was more like 50 new laws in education whoa just in this last year whoa about what I don't know just in general Mm -hmm. and everyone has an opinion on education and they're just so they just keep adding laws and and you just you have to tiptoe around these laws with everything you do and someone put it this is kind of off topic but someone told me they're like well parents are so much more opinionated about what's going on in school than ever before because of COVID. Because for a year or two, they had to be very, very, very hands-on in their child's education. Mm -hmm. And now that their kids are back in school, they don't want to relinquish that control. Mm -hmm. So parents are more opinionated and and maybe this is a good thing. I don't, I don't know, truly. But more controlling and opinionated and want more of a hand in their child's education than ever. Mm-hmm. And so that can maybe be why there's, there's so many new laws and opinions about education. Yeah. What kind of laws or rules have you witnessed or heard about? New law and what's not. Yeah. Um, but it's just everything you do, you have to get like, you have to jump through a million hoops really like me hiring someone to help build my set for the musical oh my goodness hours of like sending emails signing papers background checks fingerprinting the person that was helping me like and this is all so important Mm -hmm. but it's just piles of extra work on teachers to tiptoe through all of these regulations Mm -hmm. and we gotta get this signed and this person has to have a background check and this da 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 like each of us I mean we always joke we're like we need a secretary mm-hmm. to do all this paperwork for us because the more laws that are added better how necessary they are just create more work for us mm-hmm. and it's frustrating because I just want to focus on my lessons and I'm having to jump through these hoops to you know have someone help me build a barn on my stage yeah. you know do so I think would you ever consider um, going into a private school or some kind of education setup that would allow you more freedom in that regard? I don't know. I, um, I'm certainly open to it. I'm just kind of going where God wants me right now. And mm-hmm. uh, it happens to be public school and middle school. Um, but I'm, I'm fully, I'm, I'm open to, mm-hmm. to it. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I would like to teach high school one day. That's kind of my goal. I don't know if that's public or private, but I, I don't know. Do you want to stay as a theater teacher? For a while there, I wanted to teach science. Really? Yeah. What kind of science? Like biology. Whoa. I know. It's so random. But I, um, you know, I struggle a little bit. I love theater. And I think it's so good for kids. And I think it's so good for kids in all aspects of their life. However, I feel a little guilty encouraging people to go into the field of theater because there are no jobs Mm -hmm. there are no jobs unless you want to work on a cruise ship the rest of your life or be a teacher like less than one percent are actually going to make it you know so um that's my only hesitation with teaching theater especially high school theaters I I 
it scares me a little bit. I don't regret majoring in theater at all, Mm -hmm. but it does scare me encouraging people to go into a field where there's no jobs, Mm -hmm. you know? But I guess the flip side to that is that you also have the opportunity to awaken something in somebody else. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I love it. Yeah. That's why I love it is because it's, it's, I mean, theater is everything. It's learning how to use your body, learning how to use your voice, learning how to work with others, Mm -hmm. learning how to problem solve. Like it's everything and it's so good for, for other things. So that's, Mm -hmm. and that's why I ultimately do it instead of choosing not to is because of the pros versus the cons. You told me that you worked with some kids who went to Covenant. I did. What setting was that? I was doing a camp. Okay. And that was recently, right? mm -hmm. So tell me about that. So I did a theater camp and I did one week. So I had a group of kids for one week and then I had a second group of kids for the second week. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did the first week. It was great, whatever. Then the second week, it was at a different location and knew a new set of kids. And three of those kids had gone to Covenant. Mm -hmm. And I was warned by the kind of leader of our our group um, ahead of time what we did and it shouldn't. But you know, we did think, oh, for, you know, like we've, we've, we've played this game called mafia sometimes mm-hmm. where like, I've played oh mafia. yeah, it's very like camp game and it's like point to who you want to kill. And it's like, yeah. so we just decided like, we're not going to play that game. Yeah. And, um, there are a few other instances where we were just like, okay, let's, you know, we, we were just, it just made us think about what we were doing a little bit more and it, it didn't really affect anything. That's kind of the only concrete thing I can think of. But I was glad that I was warned ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Were you, were there any instances where something would happen that you would have to kind of respond to it in a way that you wouldn't with kids mm. who hadn't experienced something? No. Mm-hmm. And I think that surprised me that these kids, you know, I was kind of careful because usually you ask kids, where do you go to school? You know, mm-hmm. whatever. And, and, um, I was a little careful about asking that question just because I didn't want them to say that and another kid to pipe in and be like, wasn't that the school with, the, you know? Yeah. So I was a little more careful about that. But the kids, I mean, they brought it up and it was, I mean, nobody batted an eye. None of the kids really? did. Now, these kids were elementary that I was doing theater camp with. And they they brought it up and were like, oh, yeah, I did. I, I go to Covenant. And... They didn't, the kids that were telling me they went to Covenant, I don't think they had any idea that I would know what that is. Really? Yeah. I don't think that they, and they said it so matter-of-factly, that was just the school they went to, da 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 and they moved on. And I don't think they quite understood that every adult in this building, in this country, would know what your school is. Yeah. They didn't know. Wow. And they're young. They're resilient. They they just didn't think about that. And that really surprised me. Mm-hmm. And so we just, I mean, there was no reason for us to, to bring it up or anything during a camp. So we just did our week like normal, being a little more sensitive about, you know, improv and, and things like that, just being a little more sensitive. But I mean, the week went off without a hitch. And honestly, those kids were some of the best behaved, most wonderful, really? sweet kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that must be part of like um, what you were saying earlier about how right after the shooting happened, people, the kids at least, were just kind of like normal. Yeah. And I wonder also what the conversations are like at home I know. with their parents. Because honestly, now know. that I think about it, 
if I were a parent, I wouldn't want my kid to know that like their school is the focus of international yeah. news. Yeah. You know, I have no idea. That's really interesting. But I remember like we had a little performance at the end of the week and I remember seeing their parents and I was profoundly affected by teaching these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me because it made it real. Yeah. And, it, and I was like, oh, my God, what have you been through? Yeah. With the kids and then seeing their parents like come to their little show. I mean, I just obviously didn't say anything. I wasn't, you know, there wasn't an opportunity and it just wasn't really appropriate. But I was Mm -hmm. just, I would look at them and be like, oh my, I can't even imagine what you've gone through. Yeah. How old were the kids? They were elementary. Okay. Um, I'm not certain of, I mean, they weren't younger than second grade, um, Mm -hmm. but they were around nine. Okay. Following this break is where Hallie shares more about the more behavioral issues she has encountered as a teacher in general, but also in the post-COVID age, as well as more information about pursuing a master's in education. But I'll literally look at these middle schoolers and say, they'll use the R word or they'll say SPED for special ed. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, like, they'll look at a kid and be like, oh, he's such a sped kid. And I will literally look at kids and be like, hey, my brother has Down syndrome. Maybe mm-hmm. let's not say that. It doesn't affect them. It doesn't make them stop. Whoa. And then they'll sit there and be like, it does. I, I don't know. Like, they will continue doing it. Do you think that's... It's really kind of scary. <laughs> do you think, because the other day when we were talking about um, how COVID has affected kids, do you think that's part of because of COVID? I think so, yeah. I, and it's really really prevalent in my sixth graders, Mm -hmm. really prevalent in my sixth graders where like, I'm like, do you have no empathy? Like, yeah, I'm not super offended. Like, I know you don't mean it. And I know, you know, I know you're just a kid, but, but also like when someone says to you like, Hey, my brother has Down syndrome, maybe let's choose a different word because that might, that might have, it doesn't offend me, but that might offend somebody someday. You need to know not to say those things. Yeah. You'd think that would like impact them. Mm -hmm. And it might, but from my perspective, it, it doesn't. Yeah. And they continue doing it. That's and so I had to strange. have multiple conversations with my sixth grade class about why that was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And you feel like it never got through. I, I don't really know. Wow. I know. What do you think, like, does anybody have any ideas for solutions about how to fix behavioral problems Woof. like this? That was my biggest battle this year was behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I think the best way to battle behavior is structure, Mm -hmm. structure, and you have to be strict. Mm -hmm. And I went into education being like, I'm going to be the fun teacher. I'm going to be the fun, cool theater teacher. And I learned very quickly that you have to be strict. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, in the end, kids will respect you. Mm -hmm. And but it's very hard. Um, I guess you kind of have to earn it, right? Yeah. I'm still fighting that battle, and that's my biggest goal going into this year is is to combat behavior because it was so much worse than I ever imagined. Really? Yes. Were you scared going into it, and then it ended up being worse than what you feared? Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) It It was worse than what I thought. Yeah. It's weird how everything feels kind of normal again, but at the same time, we can't see the ripple effects yet yeah but we will in time I wish I had been in education before Mm -hmm. and then after so I could compare yeah 
at least I didn't start. A lot of my coworkers started during COVID. They started teaching during 2020. And I'm like, oh, my God. The whole iPad kid phenomenon terrifies me. I'm like, I don't want iPad kids. I just wrote a 10-page paper on why cell phones should not be allowed in school. You wrote one or read Mm, one? I wrote one. Whoa. For grad school. Wait, tell me about it. So... Our kids at our school are not allowed to have their phones. Mm-hmm. They they can have them in the, when they're in the car, ro- car rider line and that's it. Like they cannot be out in school or we have to take them up and we have to turn them in. Mm-hmm. And I wholeheartedly agree with that rule. Wholeheartedly. Well, the kids always say, well, we just need to have our phones. We need to have our phones. Why don't they allow us to have our phones? Like the kids are all very much against that. So I decided that was going to be the topic for my essay. It was mm-hmm. an essay where you could pick a topic and you had to argue the pros and the cons so Mm -hmm. I argued why kids should be allowed to have cell phones in school and why they shouldn't be allowed and there are pros to having technology in school obviously I mean it is very convenient Um, and kids do have Chromebooks they have their laptops in school Mm -hmm. but having the phones I mean it's just the you can communicate you can go to certain apps there's like you can go to Kahoot you can email with your teacher like it's it's a very good tool to have Mm -hmm. but kids are so technology is so addictive and all of the I don't know all but most of the behavior issues I've had to deal with have been technology related Mm -hmm. like we had a group text that was a bullying issue with the musical Mm -hmm. and that was something I had to deal with because it it was a group text of the kids that were in the musical and it, it, it was just this whole thing and inappropriate things were being said in the group text. Mm-hmm. Now that wasn't on school time. So it was a little bit of a tricky issue. Um, but I had to deal with that and the cyberbullying issue, the kids um, getting into things they shouldn't get into. I mean, like the access to the internet and the mm-hmm. access to porn and the access to violence. I mean, it's just off the rails. Yeah. Um, And so it's just, it's really scary. And I don't, I even discussed this with my kids. I, cause I told them, I said, why do you think you should have their cell phone, your cell phone in their school? And they're like, well, and one thing, one thing they said was it's a safety issue. I I feel Hmm. safer with my cell phone. Mm -hmm. So I did some research on that for my paper. I said, you know, kids and parents sometimes will say that, um, they feel safer. So if there is an emergency, they can text their parent. Well, Someone, I can't remember the source, but it was um, a security specialist in schools or something. I'm butchering this, but he said that cell phones, actually having a cell phone in a crisis in school, kids having their cell phones, is actually more of a safety issue. Yeah. Because one, they're distracted and they're not listening to directions that could potentially save their life. They're Mm -hmm. busy being on their phone and texting their parent and freaking out. Two, they're getting out information and making parents panic yeah um and so that that was an interesting take that that they had is that it actually makes them more less safe to have their cell phone but Mm -hmm. uh, but I see I see both sides again I I argued both sides um but yeah I just thought that was really interesting that is I mean thinking back on it I can't imagine having a phone I didn't get a phone until I got it in eighth grade yeah. Which was, like, kind of late, I feel like, for my generation. Um, but I also grew up in such a small town that I just... Was it a flip phone or was it an it iPhone? It was an iPhone. Okay. That I just didn't need one. But, like, 
Do elementary age kids have phones? Is that a thing? I think so, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And they all have iPhones. Wait, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. All of, I mean, every single one of my sixth graders has an iPhone. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me, but that's also unfortunate. But I'm like, how? I'm just curious to see how this plays out in time, like how mm-hmm. people in general who have always grown up with a phone glued to their hand mm-hmm. um, will function in the real world. I mean, I feel it's really like, scary. Yeah. Like when I spend a lot of time in my phone or if I get sucked into social media, it distorts my perception of mm-hmm. reality. Yes. And, and that's I, why I'm so passionate about teaching theater, because it's forcing kids to interact with each other mm-hmm. and it's forcing them to work together mm-hmm. and collaborate. And because they they don't know how to socialize. You think they really? Some. I mean, I think I think. With technology being so prevalent kids are forgetting how to socialize wow or not learning how to socialize yeah what do you think that like I mean it's kind of hard to navigate that because at the end of the day like it is up to parents Mm -hmm. um but I guess also it's kind of like a general cultural problem yeah but what do you think is there a solution to that like is there hope (laughs) For the iPad kids? I just, I think parents are being a lot stricter now, and I think there are a lot of tools out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think parents are going to have to come together and, and say, hey, we're not going to get our kids cell phones until, or like iPhones until like ninth grade mm-hmm. or eighth grade. Or I, I think it's just, I think that is not an issue for teachers and educators. I think that's an issue for parents. Yeah. Um. And unfortunately, not everyone thinks the same. So it's going to look different for every kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if your kid doesn't have an iPhone and access to the Internet, access to porn while they're kid, this is when I worked in New York. But I mean, I remember a kid saying to me, oh, well, my mom has protective stuff on the phone. But you know what I did? I just deleted the app and then redownloaded it and made a new account and all the restrictions are off. Uh And this was like an 11 year old, maybe younger. Yeah. And they already knew how to do that. Kids are so smart. They're so smart. It's so scary. That's why I love them. <laughs> but it is scary. They're the best and the worst. They're the best and the worst, yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. I mean, I feel like also that's something that I would have figured out at that age. But I like, mean, yeah. But yeah. it's like the thing about having a gun in the classroom. Like, these kids are going to find it. Yeah, they're going to figure it out. Like, again, I hide the football. I like, mm-hmm. And I have to come up with new hiding locations for the football. Really? Yeah, Do you have like a it. desk though? Like, yeah, I, I, I lock it in the desk. Yeah, but <laughs> even I had the drawer and locked my desk. They went and pulled the drawer out and got the football. Whoa, that's so invasive. I know. So you're getting your master's in education? Yeah. What do they teach you? No, it's great. I, um, I've actually learned a lot, especially as someone who has not does not have a degree in education. Mm-hmm. So we learn a lot about, we've learned about classroom management. We've learned about um, how to grade, you know, and, and things like that, behavior management. It's, while grad school is great, I, I've, I've wrote a lot of papers. I've wrote a lot of papers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just research. And I've it, when I, if I find something I'm interested in to research, like the cell phones in the classroom, um, it's really, really interesting to me because I love learning about how kids learn. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating. And I always say this. I, I always feel like I'm like a behavior specialist more than I am a teacher. 
because it's so about the psychology of learning. Yeah. I love it. I think it's fascinating. And that so is. a lot of the research we've done in grad school has been really cool to me. Now, grad school, a lot of it is jumping through hoops and paying money. Yeah. And I, I, my professor literally told me that. So that's coming from <laughs> my professor's mouth saying grad school is jumping through hoops and paying money. But um, I have really enjoyed learning how people learn. Mm-hmm. That um, is fascinating. And behavior. I think it's fascinating. It's like yeah. a psychology degree almost. Do they teach you differently depending on what age group you're teaching or do they teach you for everybody? They teach you for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like not college, but I have some people in my class that teach high school. I have some that teach elementary. Mm-hmm. You know what? Elementary might be separate. Elementary is separate. It's middle and high okay. is what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Secondary degree, licensure, specialization. My major has like the longest name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's middle and high. Okay. But it's not specific for subject. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of like Spanish teachers and English teachers and history teachers and I teach yeah, theater. So it's, um, sense, it's, it's, it's very general. Yeah. Psychology of learning. That is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Wow. So when you're researching a topic like cell phones in the classroom, mm-hmm. that's so current. Mm-hmm. What kind of, um, what kind of data are you, are you researching and gathering? There is a lot of studies that are done on education. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of data, which is nice. Um, but I, uh, there'll be studies. I'm trying to think of the cell phone studies they did. Um, but there's there are a lot of studies that have been done, especially with technology being so prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a lot of really good statistics. Um and there was another another paper I wrote, which was fascinating, was about, um, this is when I thought I wanted to be a science teacher, <laughs> uh, was on virtual labs, uh-huh. doing labs virtually oh, instead yeah. of in person. And I uh, that was fascinating to research. And there was like data, a uh-huh. lot of data on, um, you know, the pros and cons of doing virtual labs, like virtually dissecting a frog instead of actually so doing it. What did it, I mean, what, it, oh, what did the study find? Most of it, and this is, I thought 100% it is going to be better to do it in person. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, people are going to learn more, whatever. This data was pretty much the same, if not leaning towards virtual labs, mm-hmm. which I honestly hated. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that, too. I hated that I came to the conclusion I didn't want. Yeah. At least with the data I analyzed. But that fascinating? Do you think, like... For that example, like dissecting a frog, mm-hmm. is somebody who's dissected a frog or any kind of dissection in general, um, if you're going like a biology or like a mm-hmm. medicine route and you've been learning virtually in that mm-hmm. way, are they going to be equipped that when they're in front of like exactly. a real, a real, what do you call not like a cadaver because that's but, like a human body, but like a real situation. Yeah. A lot of the stats I found were from like chemistry labs. Mm-hmm. I think I found one on a biology lab, but it's the same thing with like chemicals. It's like, how are you going to know how to treat yeah. these chemicals in person if you've only done it online? But I think ultimately, no, it, you know, a chemistry degree or a studying biology is never going to fully be online. Mm-hmm. But I think these online tools are great because you can go back and like redo a lab or you can, you can do it multiple times. Whereas when you're dissecting a frog, you can't do it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was just very detailed. You could, you could do it multiple times and you have like the written description of everything. And it's just, I see the advantages of it, mm-hmm. 
but I don't think it's ever going to be fully virtual. But yeah. it was interesting to to research. Yeah, that is. And there were a lot more pros than cons, which I was like, that's not, it, it proved me wrong, which is a good thing mm-hmm. to come to in a research because it means you're doing the research right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not just trying to prove yourself correct. Yeah. And I guess also kind of in the regard of what we were talking about earlier, I guess despite all of the negatives, technology is, I mean, it is the way of the world now. There are a lot of positives. There are a lot of a positives. A lot of positives. And it's also just like so necessary. I can't believe I it took me this long to talk to you about the fact that you're getting a master's in education. Yeah. It sounds so cool. I like forget I'm getting a master's because yeah. I'm, I'm, a teacher and I also do shows as an actor mm-hmm. so I'll be on the weekend and I'm like la 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 oh wait I have homework <laughs> yeah how do you how do you juggle that of doing shows doing were you when did you start your master's was that during last school year? I started my master's two years ago okay it's taking me a little longer because I had to drop a class when I first started teaching because I didn't have time for it mm-hmm. so I have to extend a semester so I should technically be done by now but I'm not mm-hmm. yeah so you just kind of have to I don't know how I do it, but I make it work. Yeah. I um, And luckily this year I've been blessed by doing so much theater, doing Little Women and then doing freaking Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. having to memorize Shakespeare yeah. on top of teaching, on top of getting a master's. And it just, it worked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't know. I, I managed to do it. It did. It worked out swimmingly. And I don't know how. You were a great Juliet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of shocked. So... For those of you listening, um, Hallie did Romeo and Juliet, but the set was, was it Kentucky? So it was um, based, it was inspired by the Hatfields and McCoys mm-hmm. in Appalachia. Okay. Which is in the 1800s. Okay. So it, yeah, it was Romeo and Juliet. It was the full, it was the, you know, Shakespearean text. Obviously it was cut down. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't do the like four hour Romeo and Juliet. It was cut down, but it was the traditional text, but we set it. And this is very popular in Shakespeare theater. We set it in a different time. Mm-hmm. And our director set it in the Hat- Hatfields McCoy time in Appalachia. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you were like, what is this when you walked in? No, I heard it on the way there. I think, um, I don't know who said it, but we were in the car and someone was like, oh, it's, it's Romeo and Juliet, but like the set is like rural yeah um, it's like 1800s or maybe i got it from your instagram probably probably I saw yeah the pictures of your costume which mm-hmm. was so cute thanks um <laughs> did you have to wear a corset no okay that's nice yeah i had that like a petticoat suck. but not a corset okay i kind of yeah. wanted a corset i always feel so snatched in a <laughs> <Yeah>. corset <laughs> it would legitimize the experience <laughs> um but I was like, surely they're not going to do, like, the Shakespeare script with the set. And then I got <laughs> yeah, there, and it was, like, full Shakespeare. And I I think I got, mo- like, probably 95% of it. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I do study English. But at the yeah. same time, I'm terrible at Shakespeare. But you also, like, everyone knows the story of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. To true. a certain extent. True. We've talked about this independently, but for the podcast listeners, what do you think you're doing next? Or what do you know you're doing next? Play-wise? Yeah, play-wise. I'm in um, HMS Pinafore. So I'm in a light opera with a new company in Franklin called Franklin Light Opera. Relatively new. There's, they're where I did um, Cinderellon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing that. And then, I don't know. Can you define light opera? Yes. So light opera kind of is the bridge between musical theater and opera. It was very popular in the 1800s. And it was with um, typically... Associated with Gilbert and Sullivan, who wrote 
light operas, so like lighthearted mm-hmm. operas. So typ- they're they're operatic, but they're typically funny and they're typically a lot more lighthearted than most operas. Okay, um, which are typically like heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there are like only ever tragedies, right? Oh God, don't ask me. Oh no. Why? <laughs> I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> no, I don't think they're always tragedies, but but they're just. They're just heavy, and they, they just these give were... me tragedy vibes. Yeah, I've never were... seen an opera. Yeah, like I, I think I saw an opera in school, um, but it, um, it, they're just more lighthearted and they're funny mm-hmm. and they're goofy, mm-hmm. and so it, um, it was kind of the first of what became musical theater. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. That's interesting to think about because, honestly, like I've never questioned the history of musical theater but that Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense yeah but there was theater before there was like operas yeah yeah obviously Shakespeare yeah and like Greek theater duh like it's one (laughs) of the most ancient art forms which is why I love it yeah Mm -hmm. that is amazing coming back to our topic of gun control shootings in schools um, the experience of being a teacher in America today. Mm-hmm. What is one thing that you want people listening to take away from this talk? That it's not just one issue. Mm-hmm. And it's also not necessarily, it's not political. It is, but it, it's not just one political issue. It's so many factors. Mm-hmm. Um and there's not one thing that's necessarily going to fix it. And that's what's so scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but to just be kind to your teacher friends and really consider these things as you're like raising children and interacting with kids. And um, yeah, again, it's really easy to have an opinion on something when you're not in the thick of it. Yeah, I think just generally teachers need to be heard more. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like they teachers are kind of the backbone of any society yeah and the fact that they're underpaid there's a teacher shortage Mm -hmm. and then you put the risk of of school shootings on top Mm -hmm. of it all and then the people who get the final say are like the school boards Mm -hmm. and the politicians yeah and sometimes the parents yeah but it's never actually the people who are in your position yeah that's so frustrating yeah I think we definitely need our voices to be heard mm-hmm. some more. And I don't I don't know how to do that, truly. Um, I don't have the solutions. Mm-hmm. I'm also very new. So, but that's just, these are all my opinions. Thank you so much for joining me today, Hallie. Of course, this was fun. This was fun. We went in a lot of different directions, but I feel like I understand um, teaching just in general a lot more <laughs> between like the psychology of teaching and or the psychology of learning and yeah. and what it's like to be a teacher, not just with regards to gun control and mm-hmm. shootings, but just in general, post-COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Of course. Thanks for listening. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.